I'm Emily. And I'm Joni. And this is the Grow Where You're At podcast. Where we discuss all things Appalachian and country. Now set your cell phone down and learn a thing or two. And maybe laugh a time or two. Now let's hop to it. Hey, how's it going? Well, hello. It's it going? How are you? I'm I'm going. I'm here. That's all we can do. Yes, ma'am. Are we excited for this week's episode? I'm excited for this week's episode and for like the next two to three episodes. Me too. It's where we're going to start talking about canning, and it's one of the easiest go-to food preservation methods these days. It is, and there's a lot of really good resources out there, but it's also one of those things that you can just easily do with a lot of the common items you already have around your house. Yes. Yes. Before we get into that, about the fact that we are adding an Appalachian word of the day. Yes, I was about to say, and we're we're adding something new, and hopefully we can continue it. And if somebody has words to add or Appalachian sayings to add, send them. Send them to us because we will gladly accept them. Yes, even if it's something you've heard and you don't know what it means, or maybe you've got a saying around your family that you think that everybody needs to hear, we would appreciate that. Yes, absolutely. We appreciate that. So, Because this podcast is about learning how to grow better, but it's also, like we say in the introduction, all things Appalachian and country. So, Yes, I'm going to say the word of the day this week. You get to tell them the definition. Because it is something that has come up. Our blooming minute. So would you like to define blooming for the people? So blooming is pretty much a slang way of saying damn or hang on just a blooming minute. So that's saying just hold your horses. Like blooming. It's just another politically correct and a nice way for ladies to use a cuss word yes and that leads us to our blooming minute so we're going to take a blooming minute to talk about what we've got going on and we've kind of did a play on words with that like it's a blooming minute because we're blooming into all of these things that we're doing but it's also saying hey take just a second and what you got going on in your life Yes. So, do you want to go first or should I? I can go first. I can go first. So, this week, as you know, we have added another animal to our farm or my little homestead. And he came from your house and his name is Petey Pablo and he is a Baney rooster. And he cracks me up because he is just living his best life over here. And I've been trying to get some 
some more stuff preserved and put away and put in the freezer and I'm testing out some new ways to preserve things or see how they do if I've put them in the freezer and pulled them back out and see how they hold up and how I'm able to work with them that way. Yes, I am so glad you got Petey Pablo. And like originally his name was going to be Mr. Peabody, but for some reason when I, I, cause I brought him home from your house on Saturday and it was dark. So I put him with the ladies. And then like when I walked out Sunday morning to feed my girls, I was like, Petey Pablo. And it has stuck. So I'm glad we have Petey Pablo. So what have you got going on this week? What's your blooming minute? Oh, um, so, I think I have not accomplished a whole lot this week, but I did manage to get sunflower seeds roasted on Saturday. Um, we got carrot harvest in and cleaned up and canned, and the rest of the corn in and canned and then you know we cut the fodder down and did our fall decoration with it and so that's done and mostly just trying to catch up the little things now yeah it's kind of like the the major rush is over right now so it's kind of like finishing up those last few things yes things that you know like Corn, uh, you know, corn needed to be got in. Carrots, I let them go until, you know, pumpkins started taking over. So now, you know, I've slowed down, went ahead and got those in, got those canned up and ready to go. And, you know, those root vegetable things that you can just let grow for a little while, you don't have to rush to get. Right. <clears throat> All right. I guess we're ready to jump in with both feet. Always. <laughs> All I right, don't even need my life jacket for this one. Oh, no. It's only a couple inches deep here, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. So, is this going to be... So, I know last week we kind of talked about it was going to be like water bath cannon but after we talked about it I think it's going to be like what a basic introduction to canning in general is that right or am I wrong yes ma'am the way we discussed it was you know a lot of times you get those questions I'm completely new what do I need to start doing my own home canning so we thought about it and we talked about it. And I think the best way for us to go about it is to not only just start with what all supplies you need to start canning at home, but some of the basic rules of canning in general. And these things are, you know, stuff that will apply to both water bath, open kettle, whichever way you want to phrase that, and to pressure canning in general. Agreed. And Agreed. then... The basics of what you need are, it's kind of universal no matter what kind of canning method you're using. Yes, and you know, even like, we are going to touch base on some steam canning too. It's basically the same 
set of equipment for whichever Canon method works for you. And, you know, this will be the introduction to that. We're also, before I forget to let people know, we're also going to try this weekend to do a live Q&A on our Facebook page. Um, grow where you're at on Facebook. If you want to hop over to the page, I think we're going to be uh, trying to do a live Q&A on, did we decide Saturday or Sunday? I don't think we have decided a day yet. Okay. We will be posting those. So if y'all want to follow along on Facebook, um, we will let you know for sure. And we will try to give you a heads up, but we're going to try to do a live Q&A session on Canon just in general. And I think we're going to try to do that for um, after this episode. And then possibly if all things go well, we'll try to do it again, you know, maybe the next one. Yes. But, Let's start with basic canon necessities. Yes, yes. And anything can be a canner. There are rules to it, but if you have, say for open kettle cannon, you have to have it at least an inch to two inches deeper than your jars. So, if you can put water over your jars up to an inch above, then you can use that as a canner. So, it might be a stock pot. It might be your pressure canner. It might be, uh, I've seen my grandma do it in a roaster pan. But whatever it is, you just have to make sure it's deep enough to hold your jars plus an inch of water over those. Yes. And if you do it correctly and you've got, you know, as long as you've got something on the bottom of whatever vessel you're using. My Instapod is not an approved method of canning for pressure canning. But you can also use that Instapot as a hot water bath canner too. Because I've done it. Yes. But that leads into most of your canners will come with a metal like lifter. I, I call it a lift but I don't know what the actual term for that is. But it's just like a, a little thing that sits in the bottom to keep your jars off the bottom because you don't want them to touch that direct heat. But you can also use things like a hand towel, like a kitchen towel. Just fold it up, put it in the bottom, nestle your jars on top of it, and then cover it with water. Um, and if I know everybody that cans and cans a lot, you're going to have excess rings. I take and tie my, my lid rings together my jar rings together that I'm not going to be using. And you can use that on the bottom of your, of your vessel. I'm going to call it a vessel because I don't know what else to call it, but on the bottom of whatever you're canning in, you can use that. Um, you can use most, silverware. I've seen all kinds being used. <laughs> yes. But I mean, you just need some kind of barrier on the bottom of that vessel, whatever you're using. To keep those jars up off that direct heat. Exactly. So that covers your... I'm going to call it a canner because no matter what you use, you're canning in it. So You're canning in it. So, okay. So vessel, canner, you guys, they're used interchangeably in this particular episode. Yes. Your jars. And people are going to tell you, oh, I only use this brand. Or, 
oh, I only use this brand. And yes, once you've been canning for a while, you're going to have your favorites and you're going to have those that you will not go back to. I personally... Well, it's kind of like your, your favorite eye on the stove or your favorite washcloth. Yes. Personally, I love Golden Harvest Canon products. It's that I've never had an issue with them. Not sponsored. We're going to add that in. But if they want to, heck yes, this will take a sponsorship. Absolutely. But whatever jar you're using, you're going to want to disinfect and sterilize. So, when you're canning, you're always going to want to wash your jars in warm soapy water, regular dish soap water, warm soapy water, turn them upside down and towel them drain, and then you're going to stick them in the oven for while to 200 degrees-ish, and let them get good and disinfected and good and sterilized. Emily, it's a different way. I do. And so what I do, um, so I, some of you may know, some of you may not, but I live in a tiny home, and I do not actually have, like, a stand-up cook stove that normal people would have in their house. So what I have is I have a toaster oven, and I have an eye that I cook on. So what I will do is when, after I've like, you know, washed my jars and everything, and I know that they're good and clean, I will take them and fill them part of the way up with water. And then I will set them down inside of my Instapot and I will continue to fill that with water. And I will let that water get so hot, like, and I will just let it sit there and you can't even touch anything in there. You've got to have some way to get those jars out of that hot water and that is how I have been able to sterilize my jars, that it is not an approved method, and we are not sponsored by Instapot. Yes. But, you know, um, for those of you that, who, who do have that method of putting them in the oven so that you have, you know, that extra space on the stove, if you're in a tiny home or you're in a situation where you do not have an electric stove that works or uh, whatever, then, you know, there's always a method that works. And that's one of the reasons that we want to bring up the way that, you know, I do things versus the way that Emily does things. Because it kind of shows you two different ways of doing it, and they both work. And it's just kind of one of those things. It's like, doesn't matter what you have, you can still preserve at home. You can still learn to can at home, no matter what kind of equipment you may have. You know, no matter what you're using as your canner, as long as you can get that one to two inches of water, royal, boiling water over top of your jars, you're golden. Yes. And, and, and you know, the, that's the, where that saying that where there's a wheel, there's a way. That's where that perfect saying, you know. Yes. And the, the water over top of your jars is mainly for the hot water bath canning. Because pressure canning, it's a little bit different. But in general, what we're telling you right now, the basics of what we're telling you, interchanges with all of the canners. Yes. And, you know, that that rule of thumb is for, you know, water bath canning. Because, you know, with pressure canning, you're going to need something that locks on or locks down. Like, you know, a pressure canner or... Emily uses her Instant Pot, so. And that is not an approved method, by the way. So you guys do not do what I t do. Don't use that because it is not an approved method. 
I don't recommend anybody do that. But it is possible and your jars will seal. But the safety of whatever you're trying to press your can could possibly be compromised. Yeah. So I don't recommend that. I will never, like, I may have done beans in it one or two times just to see if it would work. But I would never do potatoes or any kind of root crop that you would have to do that in. And I would never put meat in there to pressure can it because it's just not an approved method. You can't regulate the temperature and you can't regulate the amount of pressure that goes on it. Exactly. Um, I'm just throwing that disclaimer out there now. Y'all do with that information what you will. Yes. But for for basic intents and purposes, you need a pressure can or two pressure can. Um, so when we're talking like, you know, use a stock pot with the barrier on the bottom, that usually just applies to hot water bath cannon. Yes. Um, so that covers that we're talking about jars and lids there are some things about lids lids you can get they market reusable lids online if you go searching for cannon lids you're going to see ads for the expensive reusable lids personally the the reviews on those are mixed you're going to find people who absolutely tell you they love them you're going to find people who tell you they absolutely hate them there's people that are going to swear up and down that they work every time. And then there's going to be people like me who are like, and no, I'm not doing that. So I always start with fresh lids. New li- you know, if you're using the, the single use lids, like everybody I'm sure is more familiar with new lids every single time you can. Yes. A new lid every time. Okay, um, and when you are canning, you do have to eat those. I usually throw mine in the jars and throw them in a pot of water and put them on the stove aisle and, you know, go from there. I, um, I have a friend who gifted me. It's literally a little mini crock pot, and I know it's used for dips and stuff like that. But if I put water in that thing and I plug it up, it keeps my lids at, like, the perfect temperature to keep them right where they need to be. They don't boil, but they're not cold, and so it just keeps them, like, on a really even keel. So that's what I use to keep my jar lids warm. And that's a fantastic idea. Something new. You're kind of cutting, cutting in and out just a little bit. Is that better? It is much better. Thank you. I was just thinking I was learning something new. (laughs) Oh, yeah. But, I mean, like I said, and it was a gift to me, and, like, I love it. And I use that little thing for everything. But it has come in clutch during canning season. And something else I have used is I have a a coffee maker that the percolator part does not work, but the warming part does work. And I'm going off on a side spree. I have a side quest to complete. But I would use that to put the lamb's milk in to warm it up. But that also, I've also used a coffee pot with that warmer on the bottom of it to keep my jar lids warm too. Of course, it's clean and sterilized and stuff like that. But that's also another option if you don't have as many eyes 
as a stereotypical stove, those are tips and tricks that you can use to keep those jar lids warm because you don't want them to boil, but they're not going to seal correctly if they're not warm. Yeah, usually, you know, I will, I will put mine, like I said, in a saucepan with some water to cover them, turn them on like a low to a medium low heat and just let them do their thing until I'm ready for them. Um, I like to see those like little bitty air bubbles in there, but I don't want those air bubbles popping. I want to see the air bubbles, but I don't want those air bubbles to come to the top and pop. Exactly. And then, you know, we're talking about lids. So there is a, we're going to call it a fancy option of a lid lifter. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, you do not have to have a lid lifter, but I will tell you, I finally broke down after almost 20 years of canning and got me one this last season. And that little sucker, I don't like it because usually before I was just using a spoon because you do not want to touch those lids. They're hot. They're so hot. When you take... up... Go ahead. Continue. Continue. Mm-hmm. I have more to add to the fancy option here in a minute. Oh, you go right ahead, honey. So you used a spoon. Growing up, my mom used a fork. And as most of you guys that have been listening to the podcast for a while know that I have a farm and I have bigger animals than what Joni has on hers. And so anybody that's got a farm and has had cattle, you're going to have cow magnets hanging everywhere. And I have found one of those round cow magnets. Washed, cleaned, and sterilized is one of the best options if you do not have one of the fancy lifters. I use one of those cow magnets, and it works like a charm. And it's easy to keep track of because it stays right on the side of my fridge. If I need it, I wash it, I use it, I put it back on the fridge. Heck yeah. That's just a quick and easy option for you to use. Yeah. If you've got a farm and you got that. Yeah, because mine, I think I paid like three or four bucks for Jason actually ended up buying it for me but it's you know just a little stick with a magnet on the end to help you lift those lids out so you're not sticking your fingers right in the middle of hot water and touching hot metal exactly (laughs) Exactly. or you know ladies if you have a significant other that likes to work on things don't let them catch you stealing their 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 telescopic magnet but that works too yes and Just then, saying, I have one of those too. Yes. Well, we've all tried something different at some point. Um, and then let's talk about a jar lifter. You can buy jar lifters online. You can buy jar lifters at most stores where you buy cannon supplies. Um, those are basically like some really big tongs that you can use to grip your jars, take them out of your oven, take them out of your canners. Um you're, you're going to want that because jars are hot when they're coming out of the oven. Your jars are hot when they're getting uncannoned. You're going to need something. And, you know, you can also use oven mitts um, to do, like, for your pressure canner. I would not recommend that for, like, your uh, water bath cannon. It's kind of one of those things where you just need to It'll find It'll work you. to get them out of the oven. But it's not going to work to get them out of the canner. Yes. So a jar lifter, I think, on average is like less than $10. And it's one of those supplies that you're definitely going to need. I refuse to can without one. Me too. 
And whenever I had moved a couple of years ago, I had lost mine. And one of the first things I purchased before I purchased a whole lot of anything else was like, I've got to have a jar lifter. I don't care that I don't have a couch. I'm getting a jar lifter. Yes. Um, I do uh, have a couch, by the way, you guys. Hopefully <laughs> <laughs> you're not better throw that in there. Yeah. Um, the next thing, the next supply we're going to move on to as a poker. And you're going to be like, What's, what do you mean by a poker? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But. If they you have get, fancy options of those too. But continue. Yes. I use a daggone knife. And what your basic concept is when you're canning. And this goes true for any way you can. When you are canning, if you get the air, the excess air out of your jars, your jars are more likely to seal. So what you're going to do is when you put your product in your jar, you're going to take your little knife. You're going to take your bamboo skewer. You're going to take whatever your... Get you a pair of chopsticks from your local store. Yes. If you get, if you get takeout and you ask them for chopsticks, okay? We keep those things. Yes. And then you stick it down in the side of your jar and you get all the air bubbles out. And, you know, that's one of those things. They sell the air bubble removers. but They do. And I think some of them have like little notches to show you how much headspace you have left in your jars. But that's just fancy. That's too fancy for my, my blood. I just get the air bubbles out and air eyeball how much how much space I got at the top of my jar and I've had like two fail all cannon seasons so yeah I poke everything and knock on some wood but I've not had any failures yet um then let's talk about other I think the only other thing I've got is that you're going to need or not necessarily need, but I'm going to tell you, if you can find you a ladle or a big old scoop and spoon, that's what you need. Because, and, a and a funnel. Yes. Funnel definitely keeps your jar lids clean because you're going to want some white vinegar on a paper towel. Wipe your jar lids off, or not your lids, but the uh, very top rim of you your jar. Wipe the, yeah, wipe the rim of that jar off. And if, you know, after you guys have been canning for a while, I'm sure Joni is much like me, but I have one specific funnel that was my great-grandmother's, and nobody else touches my canning funnel but myself. So, you know, if you guys find yourself getting, like, hoarding that, almost like a dragon, or, you know, you're kind of resource protecting with your canning goods, I say it's okay for you to do that. I give you permission to get, to get grouchy over your canning ladle. Yes, but, you know, most of your canning, you're going to have product that you are putting in, and then you're going to cover that with a liquid up until, you know, most of the time it's like an inch of head space. So, having that ladle to put that liquid in is a lot better than using like a little bitty spoon and trying to pour in or trying to pick up your pot and pour in juices in or whatever. No, it's... It's a lot safer, too, if you just ladle it in there. Exactly. And the doll, 
And we're not sponsored by Dollar Tree, but, you know, Dollar Tree has some really good utensils. As far as, like, ladles go and stuff like that. So, you know, you guys don't go to the big box store and buy those expensive, pretty ladles. Hey, my favorite spatula come from the Dollar Tree. One of my favorite ladles came from the Dollar Tree. (laughs) My favorite whisk came from the Dollar Tree. We're not sponsored by Dollar Tree, but if they want to sponsor us, we'll take it. Heck yeah. Sis loves some Dollar Tree. Absolutely. But with all things food prep, basically you're going to want to start with everything fresh and clean. Um, so that covers the basic supplies. And I do have one to add. Okay. You need a towel. Or you need something to put down on top of your counters when you're filling those hot jars up. So, number one, you don't bust a jar on your counter and have to clean up that glass mess. But two, so it protects your countertops. And that's for filling the jars because if you guys remember, whenever you're pulling them out of the oven or you're pulling them out of that hot water, they are hot. Like, you can't touch them with your hands. And the last thing you want to do is set them down on a cooled counter Or the last thing you want to do is you want to, you know. Scorch your table. Scorch your table, scorch your countertop, whatever. And then when they come out of that, after they've processed and everything, and you've pulled them out again, you're going to want a towel to let them sit on undisturbed for at least 24 hours. So, you know, you guys make sure you've got some kind of barrier. I don't care if it's dish drying mat, like a hand towel, a bath towel. I don't care what you use. Put your rug on the counter. But make sure you've got some kind of barrier for those jars. And I preach that because I have done it. Yes, you do need. um, And also, if you're running like air conditioner or something like that, a towel to put over the top to keep them from cooling down too quickly is a bonus. Just saying. And see, I'm learning something. I'm learning something new every day. So... (laughs) Yeah, if you're, usually, you don't want them to cool down too fast because those are where you get your issues with failed seals or cracked jars or whatever. So, if you're, like, if I have the air conditioning on, like, when it was really, really hot, you know, a couple weeks ago when we had 95 degree temperatures and I was canning, when you pull those jars out and set them on your towel, I grabbed another towel, you know, and put over top to keep them from cooling too quickly and risk breaking the jars. I never thought about that because whenever it gets so hot, I just I I just shut the room where the air conditioner's at and I just have the windows open. So that's something good to know. Yeah. And, but you know, even with a cool breeze like that, if it's like you don't you just don't want to Fluctuate the temperatures too fast. Too quick because then it creates more issues than what you're. Than yes. What yes. And then I think we should talk about maybe just um, a couple of the terms you're going to hear as far as canning. Um, like cold pack. Yes, and that is just where you, all of your food is cold. Or your product or whatever you're putting in that jar, all of it's cold, correct? Yes. You're going to have cold jars. You're going to have cold product. 
and then you're going to put your hot lids on there and put them in your canner. However, I will say I do not recommend Copac. The only things that I think are beneficial being co-packed are if you're doing like pickles or dilly beans and stuff like that. And I still like to hot pack those things, but it is an option. And yes. A lot of people will recommend you co-pack those things. I do not. Everything I do is hot packed, which means hot jars, hot product into a heated up canner process everything's hot yes so that that's you know a lot of people will say what's this mean or what's that mean you know those are basic terms that you know once you get to canon you're going to find canon recipes or you're going to find you know somebody's going to tell you how to do something like a new different recipe and they're going to be like oh you hot pack or you cold pack or raw pack is another one you know but if yeah. you hot pack, your flavors are going to stay. Your the consistency of your food stays better. Uh, the taste is better, and it's actually a safer way to can. So for me personally, everything I do is a hot pack. And I think the only thing I don't hot pack is my green beans. But there are methods on how to hot pack green beans. And how to cold pack green beans. I just have never. I've never had the experience. Of hot packing green beans. Yes. Which. That's you know. Like I said. I hot pack everything though. <laughs> everything. I mean even yes, when I do yeah. like. You know beets. Like when we do pickled beets. You know hot brine over hot beet slices in a hot jar you know what i'm trying to say yes and another way that i have found to do beets too like if you're limited on space is i put them all together in like my brine and then i just put them in my jars that way but everything is still scorching hot you don't want to touch it with just your hands yes um we're going to talk a little bit, I'm going to say, about acidic foods. Yes, I think that's very important to talk about. So we're going to touch on that. And like I said, we're going to have a and a session this weekend on Facebook. So if, you know, any of this part of this podcast, any of this stuff we've talked about is needing further explanation please do hop over and give us a question and we will we will talk your ear off i promise <laughs> yes but so low acid foods usually you're thinking of things like corn corn is a low acid food and so that's not something that you want to water bath can you're going to want to pressure can corn because it has low acidity acidity sorry um potatoes if you can potatoes instead of cold storage you're going to want to do that in a pressure canner there are rules to canning where anything that is low acid either has to have an acid added to it or it has to be pressure canned 
Yeah. So you can add, you know, lemon juice or citric acid or uh, vinegar to certain things. I'm not going to say all things, but certain things and be able to hot water bath can those things. But as a rule of thumb, if it's got low acid in it, it is supposed to be pressure canned. Your meats have to be pressure canned. Yes. Well, I always tell everybody, like, pressure can your meats. Yes. Um, and then another thing that you get asked a lot is timing. So, for me and Emily, where we're from, we're about 3,000 feet above sea level. And the, the average time to process your cans is about 10 minutes per thousand feet above sea level. So where we're at, most things that we can are 30 minutes. And that's a rule of thumb. It's not a guideline because some things are going to tell you 35 to 40 minutes. Some are going to be like, oh, you only need 25 minutes. It really depends on where you're at and your altitude on how long you need to process your things. Yes, and the National Center for Home Food Preservation actually has links to some websites on how to actually find your altitude. Yes, and I think we're going to be touching base on that a little bit more next week, correct? Or do you want to go ahead and cover that? On the low acid or the altitude? The altitude just varies. What the altitude does is it varies the amount of pressure that you're going to need to use and it varies the amount of time that you're going to have to process whatever product you're processing. Did you have anything you wanted to add about low acid too? Um, I don't know. Anytime I think of low acid, I think of like fall crops. And I know that sounds funny, but corn, beans, squash, pumpkins, Anything like that, that's kind of how I make sure that I associate low acid foods. Whereas my high acid foods, I think of like spring and midsummer foods like apples, oranges, peaches, cherries, um, tomatoes, things like that. Things that are er ripe earlier in the year versus the things that are ripe and ready later in the year. Yes, ma'am. That's a good rule of thumb to follow. That's just kind of like how, that's how my brain makes it work. Because I'm like, oh, that's a pumpkin. That's a low acid food. Or that's a tomato. That's a high acid food. Because of the way, just it's just the way that they're ready. In what times of year that they're ready is how I associate high acid and low acid foods. But basically, yes. And, you know... With this one, we really wanted to start with the basics so that, you know, Mary next door, who has never canned and really wants to just try it, knows, you know, kind of the basics of what you're going to need on hand. You're going to need, you know, this set list of things. And those are things that you can be like, okay, well, I'll listen to that podcast. I know I'm going to need all these things. And then, you know, you can start doing more research or asking your friend that does canon or whoever and you know it's better to cover the basics before we start getting into the deeper end of these right because sometimes it can be daunting it can be overwhelming like it 
it can be spooky trying to get started on your home preservation journey to begin with. If you don't have somebody that has either done it all their life, you've been around it all your life, or if you don't have somebody that's like, hey, here's what you need, and it's cut and dry, and... That's why we're their aunties. You can... Yes, that's why we're the aunties. You can kind of bend those rules, but don't break them because they're there for a reason. But you can kind of bend it as far as what feels more comfortable in your hand to use to get those lids out, to get those jars out. Whatever you need to use that's comfortable for you in your kitchen, in your home, use those. But follow the rules. Bend them a little bit as far as what works best for you in your hands. But make sure you follow the rules. And and we want to break it down like this because, you know, canning is very, it can be a very, very, very safe process. It can be simple. It can be easy. Um, you know, your basics are start with uh, everything clean and, you know, just do do what you need to do to get your stuff done. And, I mean... If you've got, you know, your vessel, your canner, you've got a jar lifter, you've got a towel, you've got a funnel and a ladle, and you've got your jars and lids, I mean, go for it. But, and then, you know, so next week we're going to expand on this a little bit. We're going to talk a little bit more in depth about some of the canning. And, you know, just kind of like what, yes, more of the canning, but I think, Next week will be a little more in-depth on the boiling water canning or the hot water bath canning, as it was known, or the open kettle canning. It's going to be more in-depth or more geared towards that way of preservation. Yes. Um, And I think, you know, once we cover that, and I think we're going to talk a little bit about steam canning next week, and then we'll probably do a third part about pressure canning. Yes. Um, but, like I said, we just, you know, this was one of those things where it's easier to start at the beginning than try to backtrack and not be able to, you know, we don't want to confuse anybody because those are, you know, like the terms hot pack, cold pack, raw pack, um, jar lifters, you know, those are basic things that once you get to canning, you're going to know exactly what we're talking about. But if you've never done it before, you're going to be like, what are these people talking about? What the heck is this? Yes. Okay. But once you've done it a time or two, you kind of pick up on what it is and you're, you're going to know where everything's at and what you need. Even if you just call it a doohickey, you're going to know what doohickey you need for what. Yeah, watch my call it. Where's my thing? Yeah, my thing of my bob. Yep. But you're going to know exactly what that thing of my bob does and what it does in your kitchen when you're canning. Yes. Or preserving. Yes. So, do you want to move on to a growing minute? Yes. I think this week I'm just going to continue to climb up on that raft that, you know, we grabbed a hold of last week. I'm going to continue to climb up on that raft. And I'm going to enjoy the little bit of a break that we're getting. And, you know, my little bit of time to experiment with certain things. And I'm just going to survive. That sounds like a great plan to me. 
What's your growing minute look like, Joni? Well, I'm thinking you stole mine, so I don't know. <laughs> well, my apologies, but, you know, we've we've hit that second lull. Yes. Um, it's the transition from the garden being hyper-productive, and now it's kind of like tapering off just a little bit, just in time for us to hit the hunting season. So, I'm yeah. surviving. Yes, and, you know, now's the time where, you know, we have those friends, neighbors, you know, people that are friends of friends that are giving us things. Hey, do you need apples? Hey, do you need green peppers? Do you need this? Do you need that? And so you never know when that's going to pop up. (laughs) Yes. Or it's like, here, take it. I don't want it. I'm done with him. Take it. Yes. So, you know, um that's where I'm at is I am mostly harvested out of the garden. Most of that's done. I do have green peppers still coming in and pumpkins still coming in. And I still have basil to harvest from the garden. Um, But I'm getting a lot of more of my late blooming herbs. So my spearmint and my basils and my dill seed and my coriander and things like that. I'm trying to get all those done this week, I guess. Okay, okay. I bet your house is going to smell lovely when you start getting all of those in and drying them. I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) But, alrighty, I think we've got it all taken care of. And like we said, we're going to, you know, go into more in-depth on some of the methods of how how to can stuff in the coming up weeks. And if you guys have any questions, comments, concerns that you want to ask us about, talk to us about, want us to go over, want us to do, shoot us a Facebook message, shoot us an email, grow where you're at at gmail.com, or just leave us a message in the podcast notes. And as always, I will have the National Center for Home Food Preservation website attached in the link. Yes. And, in the show notes. Yes. And also do not forget that we are going to do a Q&A session on Facebook for basic canning this weekend so keep an eye out for that and if you're not already following our page please go do that yep and we like to remind everybody to grow where you're at bye Thanks for joining us today. It's real and it's raw. Now go forth and be barefoot and feral. And most importantly, remember to grow where you're at. Bye.